0: Let's pray together once again as we turn our attention to the word of the Lord. Father, even now, as we come to this point in our service where we worship you through the reading, through the teaching, through the proclamation of your holy word, we ask that you would move, that you would speak, that you would teach us, that you would enlighten us. Lord, help us to give our hearts and our minds and our attention to your word. Speak to each and every one of us, Lord. Father, we ask that your words might flow forward, that mine would be stopped, and that in spite of an insufficient messenger, that your message would be communicated. Lord, we love you so very much. We ask that you would help us to be comforted, challenged, equipped, and convicted as we turn our attention now to your holy word. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you, God, our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue onward in our One Another sermon series. I appreciate Michael Barton filling in for me last week um, as I listened to it while we were driving back from the wedding that I officiated. Um, I had never heard my name mentioned so many times in a sermon. I, I was uh, rather embarrassed by that, to which... When I let Michael know how embarrassing that was, he said, well, it was just honestly an attempt to teach you what it feels like when you call our names out from the pulpit. So, message received. I will do my best not to call folks out. But anyway, Michael did a great job, all that in, in, in jest. But we are going to continue onward in this eight-part sermon series. The word eleilon shows up in Scripture. It means one another. It is one Greek word. It means two words in English, one Another And this verse, this, this word shows up in 94 verses for a total of 100 occurrences in the New Testament. And every one of these occurrences ends up giving instruction directly to the church. And so we know for a fact that this is not just how one Christian is supposed to treat another Christian, but this is actually how we are to treat one another within the church body as a local body of Christ. So this morning we will be looking at how we are to bear with one another. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to take it and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew there in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, be my guest. Please take that Bible that is there in front of you as your own personal copy, and we will replenish it, just count it as a gift from Bethany to you. If you prefer to follow along by some digital means or even on the screen, however you're accessing the word of the Lord, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word? As we look together now in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we've talked about in, in previous sermons, it is very normal and customary for Paul specifically as he's writing a letter to a church to begin with more of a theological doctrinal treatise, if you will. He starts off writing an essay about how doctrine works about how we are to understand this faith, then he moves almost in an abrupt turn sometimes into a more practical application of that doctrine. That's what we run into right here in chapter four. I know it's been said many times, but it's still just as true. Anytime you see a therefore, the best thing to do is ask yourself, What is it there for? There you go. It works. Look, if you're going to college or you're wrapping up school and you're tired of thinking about school, just remember any paper or essay you read or write and you see. Therefore, remember, there's a reason it is. Therefore, so Paul says all this good stuff in chapter one, two, three, and then we get up to chapter four and he goes in light of all of that good stuff. Therefore, I urge you. There's a big theme throughout the book of Ephesians that Paul is a prisoner for Christ. And I love the way that he is urging the people, not as a tyrant, not as a dictator. When your boss comes into your office and says, I urge you to finish that report by this Friday. It has a different vibe to it than somebody writing you a letter from prison, doesn't it? Somebody that writes you a letter from prison asking for your mercy, encouraging you to do something, appeals to you in a different way than when Joe Biden gets on the television and appeals to us as the president of the United States. It just has a different effect. And Paul wants to remind them over and over again, though he does have the authority of an apostle, he is approaching them In the very manner that he's encouraging us to relate to one another in the following verses. He approaches as a servant. He approaches as a prisoner. And he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There is a manner of living that Christians ought to follow. And a lot of times I think we get a little bit grace happy, right? We get so excited that God has given us his grace and forgiven us of all unrighteousness that we forget there is a manner that is worthy of the call of Christ. And there is a manner that is unworthy of the call of Christ. And I know this to be true because there are so many churches that split wide open. For the silliest things. We've talked about it before. My my home church. Remember, they split over whether or not to pave the driveway to the pastorium. True story. It was Harmony Baptist Church. Then it split into two churches. You had Bethel and the First Baptist of Pleasant Grove. Listen, in this county, there's probably some of us who drove past other good, healthy, vibrant, Bible-believing churches... To get to this church because we can't get along with the people in that church or there's some reason that we've decided that church is not suitable so we come to this church. We walk in a manner that is unworthy because we can't figure out how to reconcile with one another. There are 52 Southern Baptist churches in Covington County. 52 southern baptist churches that's not counting any of the methodist churches presbyterian churches non-denominational churches or any other denomination you want to get into there's 52 our associational director sends out an email every week and reminds us to pray for one specific church and the emails go 52 weeks in the year that's why it's always easy to remember that we have that exact number of churches in our county and when we walk worthy of what we've been given the grace that we've been shown, it means that we work out our problems. And, and then Paul says, here's exactly what that life looks like. You want to know what walking in a manner that is worthy of the gospel is? He starts off in verse 2. He says, work, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And that looks like living with all humility. Living with gentleness. Living with patience. Gentleness. And patience and humility. And those are hard characteristics to come by today. Inside the church or out. You know, I heard a quote from John Maxwell one time that you can get anything done in this world as long as you don't care who gets the credit. Right? If you insist on being the one who is recognized it gets really hard to get something done because everybody wants a piece of the glory, right? If something really good happens on the football team, hey, 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 did you see I, I, I had my block, right? I, I got my block. I blocked my man. He was out of the way. So that's that's how the running back went and scored a touchdown. We, we've lost some of the the sheen, some of the glory that is seen in humility and not exerting what I did over somebody else. The gentleness of not... Forcing our way into a situation. When the square peg does not fit in the round hole, we have no gentleness left. Yesterday I was cutting my grass and I clear knocked the stew out of the gate to the fence, okay? My wife was not outside at the time, so I don't think she saw how bad I damaged the gate. But she did know later that I went back out there with a three-pound sledge and said, Get back in line! And it was uh, not with any kind of gentleness whatsoever we've we've lost some of the gentleness we try to shove a square peg into a round hole at any opportunity possible and that means it's my way or the highway it means i'm going to bulldoze over you and who you are and your emotions to get what i want and that applies in the workplace and that applies to us here in the church we we have no forbearance with one another's the way that the King James puts it. I, I love that word to forbear with one another to tolerate one another. Instead, we bulldoze over one another. We don't show humility and gentleness to one another. And it, it, it happens even in my family, even in the most simple of conversations. Right. We won't bear with what somebody else has to say we won't tolerate their conversation we interject and have something that we have to say and we can't wait to the end of what they have to say we've got to jump in and say what we want to say and we all end up talking over one another the same thing happens Why, why do you think we have the roberts rules of orders established as the way our business meetings proceed Because without the Robert's Rules of Orders, before they started using those for business meetings in Baptist churches and churches all over the place and other business meetings, everybody just shouted over each other. And whoever had the loudest voice was often heard, which is good if you're a loud person like me, but it's not good if you don't always have the best ideas also like me. Folks, we've lost the ability to live with humility, gentleness, and patience, and we don't care anymore. If we're not gentle, if we're not humble, if we're not patient, if we don't tolerate other people, it doesn't matter because I can just go to another church, because there's just grace to cover over whatever I've done, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is true. But if we've accepted that forgiveness, if we have accepted that gift of grace, there is a manner in which we are supposed to walk, a way in which we are supposed to live that is markedly different from everywhere else. And in the church, we ought to be able to tolerate one another. That's, that's the heart of what that bear with one another in love means. And, and don't miss that the same thing that we talked about early in this sermon series. Unity and love are painted over every one of these one another's. One third of the one another's talk about love. Love one another. One third talk about being unified with one another. And the very next verse is, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain unity. They, they shower the rest of the one another's. You're not going to be able to tolerate people if you don't love them. And I don't know that we get a good idea of what tolerate really means. Tolerance is, a, is kind of a key word these days, right? It's, it's one of those words that everybody zones in on. They focus in on toleration. So do we have to tolerate one another in a way that I have to accept everything that you believe is true to be true for me? And unless I accept it as truth, then I'm not tolerating what you believe. That's, that's not tolerance. That's acceptance. That's agreement. It is possible. It is encouraged in scripture to tolerate one another, even within disagreements. We talked about how Barnabas and Paul went separate ways. Remember, Barnabas was the son of encouragement and he kept a hold of John Mark. And because of that, we have the gospel of Mark. They tolerated one another and then had to go separate ways. There was a toleration up to a point, but they disagreed. Barnabas still loved Paul. Paul still loved Barnabas. It wasn't that they never spoke again the rest of their lives. They had a differing opinion of how to accomplish the mission, and so they thought the best way forward was to part ways. They still tolerated one another in disagreement. I don't I don't know that we're the best at that these days. If you don't agree with me, then I can't tolerate that. I can't put up with disagreement. Disagreement must mean you don't like me. And that, that's not true. I mean that were true, I wouldn't be married to Jessica. She is an Auburn fan. I am an Alabama fan. We vehemently disagree on which team is better, but I love her more than anybody on the face of the planet. She's my very best friend, but I disagree with her on what team should be on the television at any given moment because I mean, whether Auburn wins or lose, my blood pressure doesn't change. I just could not care less. I'm so not sorry. I just, I wish that I was sorry, but I'm not and plenty of people, right? That's why there's the tag, the house divided. Okay, I, I got nothing against Auburn folks. I'm married to one. I love her. We disagree. We tolerate that difference of opinion on sports. Listen, I, I was hesitant to go this way, but I'm going to this morning. I'm a really quirky person, in case y'all didn't know. I know, surprise, shocker for everybody here. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like for the TV volume to be on an odd number. I, I'm i sorry. There, I said it. I threw it out there. That is a real fact from my life, okay? If there are numbers showing on the volume, the radio, the television, on my iPhone, whatever, I just, it makes my brain happy when it's an even number. I don't know why I started paying attention to that, but if I know it's on an odd number, it's like, I just, I I can't, I I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't, can we just, can we just change it? Like, I don't know why that happens to me, Okay. My wife tolerates that, okay? It's been a long 12 years of never enjoying the volume on an odd number, except maybe when I'm not at home. And maybe she puts it on odd numbers just for fun then. I have no idea, okay? The light switches in my house. We have some switches that I promise are eight-way switches. There's a switch in every room of the house that controls this one set of lights. And for whatever reason, my brain really likes for the light switches that are together to both be up or both be down. I don't... I don't know why, but when one's up and one's down, I just, I get a little tick. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. I wish I could control it. I try really hard. So my wife tolerates that. Like when I come into the house and I'm looking around, I catch it every time it's right there and boom, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and ignore it and I'll try and ignore it. And then next thing she knows, I go and I flip this switch and I go over here and I flip that switch and I go over here and flip that switch and then boom, they're in unison. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh, life's good. There you go. It's a weird quirk, okay? My wife tolerates that. She puts up with that. But she doesn't even try herself to make the switches unified like that because it's really weird. Why would you do that, right? Like, I understand I'm the weird and quirky one. I understand that I'm doing the strange thing. I don't expect her to agree with me that the light switches need to be together up or together down. I don't expect her to agree with me that the volume has to be on an even number, but she tolerates that that is a quirk of mine. I also thought in preparation of this sermon of going over several quirks that my wife has, and then I realized that I like being married. So we're not going down those roads. Listen, I also understand as your pastor, there are plenty of you that tolerate me. And I don't mean this in a self-deprecating kind of a way. I understand that there is probably somebody else that would be more fitting to be your pastor individually and that on a week-to-week basis you tolerate me. Because I'm not the worst in the world, but I'm definitely not the best either, right? And so it's somewhere in the middle and you're like, eh, I mean, we might get somebody better, but... We'll put up with him, right? There's a lot of things he doesn't do right, but we'll put up with those things. We will tolerate that because we want to have unity in the body. We want to have peace because we love our pastor, because we love our church. And folks, somehow or another, somewhere along the way, over 2,000 years of history, we completely lost what it means to tolerate one another, even within disagreement. There is grace, there is mercy, there is forgiveness, there is humility, there is gentleness. And you can tolerate one another without causing a rift that ends a relationship. Even when Paul and Barnabas had that disagreement, their relationship did not end. They continued to put up with one another. And what I love about this word is that the other places that we see it used, this word bearing with, forbearance, tolerate, Everywhere else that it shows up, it shows up in the exact way you would expect when you think of the word "tolerate" or "put up with." that one of the first ones is in Colossians. In Colossians chapter three, we get more instruction that follows exactly the same as what we've seen in Ephesians. It says in Colossians, Paul's writing, "Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness." Humility, meekness, which can be substituted sometimes with gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has also forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body. And be thankful. When it talks about bearing with one another in Colossians, it's the same mindset of walking in a manner that's worthy of the Lord Jesus. And it's also saying there's complaints involved with tolerance. Right? Like when somebody complains, you have to tolerate or put up with their complaining. When I come home and I say, well, on earth are the light switch is all messed up in the house and it's on volume 25. (laughs) I don't get it. I complain. My wife tolerates. You tolerate the complaints. As we continue through, look, there's plenty of other places that this shows up. One of my favorites is in a story that's in three of the four gospels. We're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17. When they came to the crowd, verse 14 of Matthew 17, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. There is oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus's first response, verse 17, man, I love it. His first response is not, oh, man, I am so sorry, man, that is so hard. I can't imagine the emotional trauma that that must be putting you through, sir. He zeroes in on the very last thing the guy said. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to bear with you? Jesus said it. Jesus put up with people. Can you believe that? The disciples were just as dumb as you and me. They were just as lost as you and me are at times. They had no understanding. This guy comes, all they got to do is pray and have faith, and the demon will flee, and they can't do it. And when the man comes to Jesus, he says, Jesus, please help, the disciples couldn't. And Jesus goes, oh, how much longer do I have to put up with this? I'm going to have to heal myself. i got a headache. Oh, I don't know what's going on. He has to tolerate and put up with the disciples. Does that mean he doesn't love them? No. Does it mean he's, he's not going to die for them? Not a chance. But it does mean that even the Lord has to tolerate and put up with us. That's why it's part of how we relate to one another and exemplify what God has done for us. He tolerates and puts up with us. Alex Payne has been preaching for us in uh, our Wednesday night times a little mini sermon series going through exodus and it's been really fun to watch the israelites go up to the mountain and they talk about the ten commandments and the lord says are you going to do this and moses says the lord's asking are y'all going to do this and the people say totally we are 100 percent sold out every single thing that the lord has said we will do and then boom turn right around make a golden calf. and then boom turn around complain about no food and then boom turn around complain about no meat and then boom turn around complain about bitter water over and over and over and over. And the Lord constantly tolerates it. Puts up with it. It's the same same thing Moses says about those people. If the Lord is so willing to tolerate us and put up with us, how much more so should we tolerate one another? Bear with one another. To put up with the silly antics the personality differences, and make it work as a church so that we can shine the light of the gospel. There's a lot of other places that that word shows up in the New Testament, but there's one place that you might think it does show up, but it's actually a different Greek word that I want to be the last thing we look at this morning before we take communion. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you have the King James translation, you may know it as the the charity chapter. If you have a more modern translation, it's typically the Latin word caritas, which is translated to love, the love chapter. Remember, love is patient, love is kind, all these good things. You get down to verse 7, and it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Both of those times where it talks about bearing and enduring, Different words and words really matter, especially when it's so essential what word you pick when it's hard to write and you don't have a lot of writing materials you don't have a lot to write on you make ev- every single word count excuse me so love bears all things that's a different bearing with love endures all things that word endures you would think would be bears with puts up with the other places that the Original Greek word, aneko, that's bear with, that's forbearance, that's tolerate, what we've been talking about all morning. Anecho is used and called endurance in places. It's not used here. There's a, a funny Greek word called hupomene. Hupomene. It just means to remain, to stick around. You see, just because you love somebody doesn't mean you tolerate everything. It doesn't mean you put up with everything. God is love. And so you read this chapter and you think if God is love and love bears all things and love endures all things, why could he not just pardon us for our sins? Jesus didn't have to die. And it doesn't matter how we live because love bears all things because love endures all things. Right. It shouldn't matter how we live because God is love. And as love is described in 1 Corinthians, love will put up with anything. Love will tolerate anything. See, That's why it matters that Paul uses a different word. It's not a necho. It's not to put up with. It's not to tolerate. It's to endure. It's to wait. It's to remain. How many of you have had somebody in your family? Maybe this is your story that was wayward in some way. And there was tough love exercised against yourself or that wayward family member. Said, listen, if you're going to live in that way, you cannot live in this house. There are times where love cannot tolerate everything. But that love is still there. If your parents have to kick you out of their house, that doesn't mean that their love for you has ended. The love endures. The love remains. It's the toleration that ends. It's the putting up with that ends. It's a different concept. And the reason it matters theologically is because God's love remains and endures even in the face of our sin. But God doesn't tolerate Our sin in the sense of putting up with it and doing nothing about it. God understands that we are sinful, but he did something about it. Instead of tolerating and just saying, ah, they're humans, they're going to be how they're going to be. Let me just kill them all and just condemn them all to hell and torture them for all eternity. He said, I'm going to make a way to redeem them. Instead of tolerating our sin, he nailed it to a cross. And his love Endured. His love remained, but His tolerance of our sin went out the window because He took all of that sin on Himself on the cross. And the One who was perfect, who never should have died for the penalty of sin, took our penalty in our place. You see, there's a difference between tolerating, putting up with, enduring, and remaining. And God's love endures and remains no matter who you are, No matter what color your skin is, no matter how old, how young, how skinny, how tall, how fat, how short, it does not matter. God's love remains. It doesn't matter how much you sin. You can't chase away God's love with your sin. You can't do it. But that doesn't mean He's going to tolerate your sin and my sin. His love will remain even as we sin. But it doesn't mean he's going to tolerate our sin. That's why he sent Jesus. He said, I've got to do something about this sin problem. And so this morning, I, I know it's Memorial Day weekend. and I, I know that you guys may have family that you want to go see. But I just wonder this morning, if there's anybody here who's never realized that God did something about your sin. He did something about all of our sins doesn't just tolerate it and put up with it and just send us to hell for all eternity he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in jesus might not perish but have eternal life have you believed that this morning have you trusted that god did something about your sin if you have maybe you're here this morning and you realize man i love my church but I'm doing a really bad job of tolerating my brothers and sisters in Christ. I know A, B, C, D, person one, two, three, four, five that get on my nerves, and I think about leaving this church all the time because of those five people. I ain't going to put up with them. Maybe this morning is the reminder that we all need that, hey, sometimes it's hard to get along with one another. Sometimes it requires tolerating an annoying preacher, sometimes it requires tolerating. People who talk and tell stories that are way too long. Sometimes it means tolerating people that you disagree with. All for the sake of unity and love and peace. But we don't have to tolerate sin. Where are you this morning? Where do you stand? I'm going to pray for us. And after I pray, I want to encourage all of us to stand to our feet. And we're going to spend just a few moments in silent reflection because we're going to go to the table of the Lord. We're going to partake of communion this morning. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives very strict instructions that we should never approach the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And so after I pray for us, we're all going to stand. We're going to take a few moments to pray in our own hearts and make sure that we align our heart with a manner that is worthy of that which God has called us to. If you're not a believer, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, I I encourage you to just stay in your seat and don't partake. But if you are a believer, please take the moments that are coming as a time to confess between you and the Lord. Make things right in your heart and your spirit, and let's worship Him through communion. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank You that Your love endures, but you do not tolerate our sin. Instead, you nailed our sin to the cross of Calvary. Lord, thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Lord, even after we trust in you, we still sin, we still mess up. And in your grace, in your kindness, you bear with us. You tolerate us and put up with us when we doubt you, when we turn from you, when we forget that you have provided us. Lord, even this week, I know in my own heart, seeing all the evil that has transpired in our world in these last few weeks, with all these school shootings, with all of the terrible things that are happening in our world. Father, I confess that I've been tough to put up with because I've doubted your plan and your purpose. Please, Lord, forgive us. Help us to wait patiently on you to love You, to trust You. Lord, would You move in our hearts, help us to worship You in spirit and in truth as we approach Your table. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me for a moment? I'm going to give you a few moments to pray there where you are, and then I'm going to read for us And I'm going to encourage you to read along from Psalm 51. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12. It's just a time of public confession among ourselves. So let's take just a few moments in silence and pray, make our hearts right with the Lord, and then I'll begin reading for you. Will you read with me from Psalm 51? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions And my sin is ever before me. Against you. You only. Have I sinned. And done what is evil. In your sight. So that you may be justified. In your words. And blameless. In your judgment. Behold. I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin. Did my mother conceive me. Behold. You delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. And blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit.